0: Welcome to Find Your Niche, a career podcast offering advice that you can implement today, as well as career tips that will set you on a career path and help you to find your niche. I'm Lori Cole, Certified Career Coach and Job Search Advisor with iHire.
1: iHire connects you to industry-specific jobs in over 57 talent communities. Find your niche today on iHire.
0: Our guest today, Nicole Khalil, talks about building and nurturing your confidence. One of the areas I see people struggling with confidence is in their job search, especially if they've recently lost their job and it wasn't their choice. Getting let go can be a real confidence killer. Plus you have the added stress of being thrown into this job search world without any preparation, and it's easy to go into panic mode because you don't know where to begin not to mention the financial pressure to find something fast so those paychecks can start rolling back in. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we react to it. Action is the best way to take control of a situation. Let me tell you about a story that is a perfect example of this.
1: Here are the latest trends, topics, and tips that will help you in your job search.
0: I once volunteered to be a career coach and run a workshop with some of our local business leaders. This was to be a six-week workshop to help unemployed folks in our community with their resumes and just help them find new opportunities. During the first four weeks of this workshop, we found ourselves counseling people who had been fired. They all had a story to share. They were going through this job loss grieving process. We spent a lot of time listening to their stories and sharing our stories Instead of focusing them on taking action and encouraging them to take control of their situation, I learned a lot helping with that workshop, including the fact that everyone there had been fired at some point in their careers, including myself and all of the other business leaders who were helping. Being fired is not great but it's not the end of the world. Rejection doesn't mean you're not valuable. Maybe you need to think about what makes you special and valuable to an employer and build your confidence around what you know you're good at. Besides, I have never talked to anyone who didn't say in hindsight that they weren't better off losing or leaving a job. Negative self-talk is another confidence buster. Think about the cartoon character Eeyore, the Winnie the Pooh character, the little donkey. You can take one look at him and know he's going to have a very bad day. His whole body just droops and he exudes low energy and negativism. And we all know people who have those traits and just exude that low energy. The beliefs we hold about ourselves are fundamental to our success. Talk positively to and about yourself every day. Keep reminding yourself that this is your chance to find a job you truly want and possibly make more money. Start the positive self-talk by identifying your key skills and qualities. You can develop a win sheet, and that is just a spreadsheet or a piece of paper that lists all of the great wins or accomplishments that you've had over your career. Ask others for their help on this. Ask your friends, family, and former coworkers for their opinion about what they think you do very well. A career coach can also help to focus you. We can help revise your resume, practice for interviews, and provide guidance and support that will help you find your confidence and keep it throughout your job search. Desperation is also a confidence killer. Do a self-check and ask yourself how desperate you feel about getting another job because desperation can be smelled from a mile away. You could be in a desperate situation where you need a job. Any job just to get that cash flow going. I call these burner jobs, like a burner phone. They're short-term jobs that you probably won't put on your resume. And in some cases, these burner jobs can serve as motivation to find another opportunity because you really don't enjoy what you're doing at that job. A job search that's taking too long can also make you feel desperate. You may have a little bit of money coming in from unemployment or you're living off savings and watching those numbers go down. That's not fun. It's easy to be tempted to apply for jobs that you know don't suit you just to have a job, but my advice is to find a job that's a good fit for you, that makes you feel happy and productive, because there's nothing worse than dreading going to work. Keep in mind that employers need you, and that statement alone should make you feel more confident. Someone, an employer out there, is looking for you, your skills, your talent, and your qualifications. Let's see what Nicole Khalil has to say about building confidence not only in your job search, but in everyday life. Nicole is an author of the new book, Validation is for Parking, How Women Can Beat the Confidence Con. Nicole is a keynote speaker. She leads training workshops. She's an author and hosts a podcast called This is Woman's Work. And I was fortunate enough to catch up with her
1: at Sherm 22. Let's hear from today's featured guests who has found their niche.
0: Tell us about the five confidence derailers.
2: Sure. So um, in my research and testing out in my own life, observation and coaching, I recognized that there were some general themes and and, and consistencies in what was chipping away at people's confidence. And so I kind of put them in these five confidence derailers. But the five of them are, first and foremost, perfectionism perfectionism is the enemy of confidence. Uh, it's this thing that we have where we're supposed to do it all, be it all, have it all, and look good while doing it. And it's an unrealistic expectation that we can never actually achieve, which of course does damage to our confidence. Right. The second confidence derailer is what I call head trash. I've also heard it called the inner critic. It's basically the voice we all have inside our own minds that says things to us about us that are never kind and very rarely true. So I I think it's kind of obvious how that would do damage to your confidence, but I consider Head Trash the bully of confidence. (laughs) Okay. The third uh, confidence derailer is judgment and comparison. Uh, We all do this. Um, I, I talk about social media as an example often where it's so easy to go on and compare our lives, our behind the scenes to somebody else's best moments, their highlight reels. Or to compare ourselves and feel better about ourselves temporarily, you know, because at least we're not a moron like that person or whatever the case may be, right? <laughs> at least we didn't do that type right. of thing. <laughs> exactly. So um, judgment and comparison chips away at our confidence, whether we're judging somebody and coming out behind or, or comparing ourselves and coming out behind or ahead. Either way, it chips away at our own confidence. The fourth confidence derailer is overthinking. Uh, I want to be very clear. Thinking is not a problem. It's the over part. Well, who doesn't do that? Right. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. Overthinkers that's what you, unite. That's what
0: you, <laughs> yeah, you spend your whole life doing.
2: Right. It's um, over-processing, over-ruminating. It's, it's ultimately this thing that we do that we feel we need to have all the information, all the research, all the details before we can get into action. So that's what's problematic about overthinking and why it's a confidence derailer is because it leads to inaction and inaction leads to regret. The fifth confidence derailer, and really the biggest one, but the one I find that we're most unaware of, I'm guessing everybody listening in with the first four had a head nod on at least one of them, right? Like, yeah, I know that one. Um, This one affects all of us, but we might not be as aware of it, um, and that is seeking confidence externally. It's this idea that we have that If we achieve, if we get the promotion, if we get a certain level of income, if the scale says a certain number, if we fit into a certain size or we have perfectly behaved kids, whatever the case may be, if that happens, then we'll feel confident. And so we're ultimately looking to create our confidence from something outside of ourselves. And that's problematic because A, it doesn't work. um, And B, because then it's the power and the
0: Ability to choose confidence is in somebody or something else's hands. And you're always, it's always just like this carrot out in front of you. You think, oh, if I can just do this, then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. Or if I just buy this, then I'll be happy. And then you aren't. And then you seek that with something else. You have to figure out, well, what is the next thing that I think will make me happy?
2: Yeah, we become addicted to it, right? So we all know this. Um, You know, I, I can think of... Uh, the if I get this promotion, then I'll feel confident. Well, I got the promotion, and I was excited for about three seconds, and still, and then I started worrying about whether or not I could do the job, whether the new team would respect me, and the then, overthinking yeah, part comes in exactly. And then it was well, when I get the next promotion, then I'll feel confident, and just it just doesn't work. It's um, temporary at best, and and confidence is an inside out, not an outside in proposition.
0: Well, let's dig into the perfectionism as the enemy of confidence. That's one of the things I really want to talk about because I feel like a lot of people have that. They feel like they are not, if they are not on and doing everything perfect all of the time, then they are not worthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, perfectionism, I think,
2: puts it in the category of being worried about how things look more than how they are and that can be really problematic. So one thing I haven't said yet that is really important why I call it the confidence con is because um, we've become really confused about what confidence is uh, between media and advertising. We have, and and it's just being overused and misused a lot. We've started thinking confidence is the same as feeling good, and it's not. Confidence is when you trust yourself firmly and boldly. And so when you think about perfectionism and and being very concerned about how things look, it's very hard to trust yourself in the midst of putting on a show. And it's very hard to trust yourself when you feel like you're constantly falling short. But it's not the falling short that's the problem. It's the initial expectation, the expectation of perfection. I mean, spoiler alert, nobody's perfect. We know that, yet we still continue to hold ourselves to these unreasonable, unachievable standards And then somehow feel bad about ourselves when exactly what you would think would happen happens, which is, you know, we're not perfect.
0: What about the overthinking? How can somebody stop doing that? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question. I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) I've
2: never done this, so I will tell you. (laughs) Um, So. Each of the confidence derailers has what I consider an antidote. Now, these are the confidence builders, and they build your confidence no matter what. Oh, yeah. Let's
0: go through those.
2: Yeah. So, um, the antidote to overthinking specifically is action. So, again, remember, overthinking is problematic because it leads to inaction, and action is the number one confidence builder. We can't think our way to confidence. We can't hope our way. We can't fingers and toes crossed our way. We act our way into confidence. And so there has been studies done on this. I think what's important is first to define the over part of overthinking, to know when we're doing it. Colin Powell did the study in the military and it's been recreated in, in, in business. Um, and they basically say the time to act is between somewhere when you have 40 to 70% of the information, research data questions answered, you know, that you need. And For a lot of us overthinkers, that sounds like a really scary place to be because we're aiming for 100 percent or 80 to 100 percent. And what was found is going past 70 percent puts us in a category of too late for meaningful action. And less than 40 percent is, uh, you know, you just don't have enough information. You're taking an unnecessary risk. So, um, and if you think about it, this was done in the military where lives were at stake. So if you know, 70% is the wow. most in that situation, just think about the decisions and the choices and the opportunities that are, and the risks that we're dealing with and how often we're delaying action because we're trying to get to 100%. Being 100% ready to do something you've never done before that's new and exciting and a little scary is not an achievable goal. We can't get to 100% unless we do the thing. So we must get into action.
0: And you can't, I mean, I've heard this with business before, too. It's just paralysis by analysis Mm -hmm. that you just are trying to plan everything out. And as you said, be it 100%. And then when you start doing it, you find out that the things that you planned for didn't happen. And all these other things that you didn't think about did happen. Exactly right.
2: Yeah. yeah, so that's one of the things that we uncover too is that our worst case scenario almost never happens. I read a study recently that said 95% of the time your worst case scenario doesn't happen. So it's, like, it's pretty unlikely. What I think is helpful for the overthinker is if you're going to think about what's the worst thing that can happen, then force yourself to also think about what's the best thing that could happen. Right. Think about both sides of that coin and then
0: decide how you want to get into action from there. So action is the antidote for overthinking. What is the antidote for perfectionism? Failure. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I know, it's a tough one. So that was probably
2: the most surprising thing for me in my discovery about confidence is that failure actually builds confidence if you choose it, if you let it. So what's important, um, and and when I say failure, I mean also making mistakes, fears, doubts, pain, you know, all, all the tough things that we all live through but somehow, when we're going through it, we make up that there's something wrong with us. That that you know, fundamentally, we messed up and we're never going to be able to recover. Well, every successful person you're ever going to meet has failed more often than everybody else. The most confident people, you know, definitely fail because what they've come to realize is that failure is a neutral event. We're the ones bringing meaning to that event. How do we know this? Well, what I see as a big insurmountable failure could be small potatoes to somebody else. What is small potatoes to me could be, you know, insurmountable to someone else. And so, because we're the ones bringing meaning to each event, we have the opportunity to choose a more productive, more empowered meaning. when we make a mistake, we have the opportunity to look at it and go, this is a learning lesson. When we fail, we have an opportunity to go, well, this is a gift. It's steering me in another direction. Uh, it, it, you know, There's so many different ways to see the same event. Um, so for those of perfectionists out there, uh, the opportunity as it relates to building confidence is to make some mistakes, take some risks, get it wrong. Fail a little and and then realize that you can and do come out the other side of it often better. It's failing forward.
0: Right, right. Fail and then make an adjustment and try it again. Make an adjustment and try it again. Exactly right. Just yep. keep going. What is the antidote
2: for head trash? So, well, let me just say judgment and comparison is choosing confidence, head trash is giving grace. And and, and the reason I put them together is because those particular builders could work in, you know, they're kind of interchangeable. But head trash, if you think about it, we're basically bullying ourselves. And so the antidote, the confidence builder, is to give ourselves grace on the journey. And, 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 and I think it's really important. It's just replacing the noise, the mean thoughts with something better. Um, A really simple one, when my head trash kicks up and I don't have a good affirmation ready or I don't know exactly how to manage it, I just will say to myself, gentle, gentle, gentle. And it's just a reminder to treat myself the same way I would somebody I love. Because if you think about what we say to ourselves when we're in our head trash, we would never say that to a best friend, to a spouse or partner. We would never say that to our child. And we should first and foremost be somebody that we love. So it's just imperative that we begin to talk to ourselves in a kind and loving way. That does not mean that we can't challenge ourselves. Our inner knowing, our inner voice, or even in grace, we can absolutely say this is not right or challenge ourselves. But it will come from a place of love. It won't be that bully, mean-spirited Voice. Right.
0: Okay, judgment and comparison.
2: So the builder is choosing confidence. It also works with uh, head trash as well, but I, I think it's really an important distinction. A lot of us think confidence is a feeling that we either have or we don't. Like I woke up today feeling confident or I didn't, or I'm going to walk into this speaking engagement feeling confident or I'm not, or I'm going to walk into this interview with confidence, or, you know, so mm-hmm. it's like it's this feeling. That we either have or we don't and what is really important to know is that confidence is a choice That creates a feeling not the other way around and so uh, our opportunity in any given moment is to choose confidence and and it is Easier said than done for sure right, Um, but a reminder that confidence is trusting yourself so in any given moment you can say yes, I'm afraid but I'm gonna choose courage or I'm going to show up to this as my authentic self because if that doesn't work for this person or this situation, then it's not the right fit for me. Or, you know, there are lots of ways to do this, but it, it, it's um, something we do more often than we give ourselves credit for. If you think about it, if you went into a meeting at work and it didn't go well or something happened or whatever, and then you had a next meeting, most of us dust ourselves off and walk into the next meeting, you know, the best that we can. Or if you think about having a rough day and having to pick up a child from school, we'll dust ourselves off and and choose to show up differently. So we do this in our lives a lot more than we maybe notice or give ourselves credit for. But to me, this was a really cool learning that we can choose confidence anytime we want.
0: And the thing is, You can do that several times in a day because you might get up in the morning and you are just full of confidence and you say, I'm going to tackle this day, I I am going to be awesome. And then you get in a situation where it just deflates you and like you said, you have to pick yourself up, brush yourself off and choose that confidence again. I see that so many times when people are in the job, searching for a job and They've just had rejection after rejection, and it's really hard to get go into that next interview and feel like, hey, somebody is going to want me. Somebody, somebody is going to be darn lucky to have me, yeah. you know? It's such a good
2: example, and, and yeah, I, I think, yes, we have to continue to choose confidence, especially in the hard moments, which I, I'm not saying is easy. I know it's incredibly hard, but it's just that much more important. Being confident when everything is going right, it's pretty easy. It's trusting yourself when everything goes according to plan is pretty easy. Trusting yourself when things get hard, when the plan goes a little haywire, or things don't go the way you thought they were going to, that's where the real magic happens. And and again, not easy when you're in it, but the opportunity is incredible. So, you know, if, if you're listening and you're feeling discouraged with job search, yes, it will be hard to choose confidence, but I would implore you to continue to do it. Choose to trust yourself and show up as yourself because all the misses up to this point may have been...
0: For a reason. Yeah, sending you in a direction that you just don't know yet. Yes, yes, exactly. And I can look back at so many things and think, oh, I was really sad this didn't happen or I was really sad that didn't happen. But it always was for... My betterment, yes, or the betterment of the situation. So,
2: yeah, I, I always think of some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. That expression, right? Um, because I can think of—I mean, I think of like an ex-boyfriend who I thought was going to be the love of my life, oh, right? Of course, and I'm like right. so glad that didn't work out now. <laughs> yes, but when I was in it, it was painful, It was yeah. heartbreaking, it was awful.
0: Yeah. And, and same with a job. You know, if you're in a job that you really don't like and you don't understand why is this happening? Why am I going through this? It It's probably because this is spurring you on to be better and yeah. to find your next big thing.
2: Yeah. Um, I talked to a lot of people through my podcast. And, and one of the things that has been really interesting is that most of us have found our purpose through our pain.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And again, that doesn't make it, suck any less when you're in it. it. It's awful when you're feeling pain. Right. But in that, you often learn about yourself. You find out what's important. You make decisions. You do things that have been a long time coming. Who knows? But in that, you really can find your purpose, your place, your opportunity, um, if you choose it, if you let it.
0: If you're aware, yes. if you're thinking about it and, and just being open to it. We've already covered overthinking, the anecdote, Antidote to overthinking is action. Yep. And then confidence, what is this? Externally. So
2: um, the antidote to seeking confidence externally is to build it internally. And there are lots of ways to do this. There's no right or wrong way, but I would uh, suggest you start by thinking how you build trust with anybody. So if you think about your most trusting relationships, how did you build trust with that person? How did they build trust with you? That will give you some really good insight into how you would build internal trust with yourself. Some examples are keeping your commitments. Yes, the ones you make to other people, but also the ones you make to yourself. And we tend to be better, especially in a career-oriented or, um, environment, at keeping the commitments we make to other people. If we have a deadline or if we have a meeting, we show up on time. You know, but then the commitments we make to ourselves, I'm going to work out or I'm going to meditate or I'm going to eat healthy or I'm going to job search or I'm going to find the right... And it's we have a tendency to put those on the back burner. And it's important that we know that that's chipping away at our own confidence because it's chipping away at our trust in ourselves. So keeping our commitments, and nobody keeps 100% of their commitments 100% of their time, so giving grace and not expecting perfection is important here. But keeping your commitments um, and not overcommitting committing is a really uh, important way to build internal confidence. Other examples are communicating boundaries, the three P's, plan, prepare, uh, so, like, if you have something, you know, that you're, that's coming up, like a job interview, yes, you want to plan, yes, you want to prepare, and yes, you want to practice. Yes. Um, now, be careful you don't go into over, right? Like, we don't want to over-prepare, over-practice, or over-plan, but the three Ps can be re- really helpful in building confidence. So, there's a lot of opportunities, but I just would go back to how does somebody build trust with you? How do you build trust with another? That will give you some insight into how you build your confidence from the inside out
0: if you haven't been in the job search for three or four years, everything has changed. I mean, it just changes so much in that short period of time. And the way that employers interview and the way that you're supposed to answer questions, you really do have to put that time into the planning and the preparing for this. Because if you don't, you are just going to be caught flat footed when you're in that interview.
2: Oh my gosh, I can't imagine how much it's changed. Even in the last year, you know? And and I think if I were job searching right now in the three P with the three Ps in mind, I would go on some interviews that I didn't think would be the I, right fit or I some call opportunities. Them yes, interviews. like if for no other reason to practice, right? Yes, um, right. Could, there's only so much practicing you can do in a room by yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's it's really tough because it's not like there is a playbook that every employer interviews the same way, or you're gonna get asked these questions. The best that we can do as coaches is to say, hey, you're probably gonna get asked questions around your how did you deal with a difficult situation sure. at work? And what did you do? And just preparing people to be, um, to have those answers for the behavioral interview questions. That's always really tough. Yeah. And when somebody doesn't prepare and then they're in one of those situations, they'll always come back and say, all right, now I understand what you were trying to tell me. What can I do so that I can be better prepared for next time? Absolutely. And there are strategies for that.
2: Yeah. And and I would even add a confidence-building strategy because I think it would be helpful in those situations. And when, when people ask questions, inevitably, they're going to ask some version of what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses, yes. right? Like, <laughs> It's like... Always. And as somebody who's interviewed a lot of people in my past career... I could only hear so much how hardworking somebody was, or or their faults were that they were too loyal. You Uh, know, it's like, uh. (laughs) ugh, I'm too dedicated. (laughs) I I care too much. Yeah, so I was always looking for somebody to come up with something a little bit different. But one of my definition of confidence is when you know who you are, own who you're not, and choose to embrace all of it. That's To me, my working definition of that's what confidence looks and feels like and and, and trusting myself. And so that first piece of confidence, knowing who you are, also the second piece, owning who you're not, I think can be really impactful as it relates to job searching and and having conversations with people. So it's a little bit deeper than like, I'm a hard worker. It's really thinking about what are your superpowers? What are your unique unique abilities? What can you count on yourself for? What do other people count on you for? What, What are your... Talents and, and gifts and, and spending some time with yourself, on yourself,
0: knowing. Understanding that. Yes. Yes.
2: Like, who am I? What makes me tick? What's, what makes me special? I actually have a guided exercise on this, um, but my goal when I do this with people that I coach is, can you come up with 50 things? I've found individually... The average number somebody will come up with that they know about themselves is six. I'm like, you are complex humans that have lived, you know, these lives up to this point. You have to know more than that. When I ask them to do it for somebody they love, they'll come up with 32 things. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you, I mean, and there's no magic number. It doesn't need to be 50. But if you could sit with yourself and come up with 30 to 50 things you know to be true about you that make you special, unique, your superpowers, and then somebody asks you that question, you're going to be able to dig a lot deeper and pull out some different things. Here's what I know to be true about myself.
0: Well, it would be an interesting exercise to ask other people what yes. they think your superpowers are. Because if you're, if other people are so good about coming up with these for their friends or their family, yeah. that would be interesting. And that is the
2: second part of the exercise. The first is I want you to think for yourself. Because again, I don't want people deciding who they are based on what other people say. But the second step is getting feedback from people who know you and care about you. But then you have to determine whether or not you accept that. That superpower. That superpower. Um, And I think that's really important because this is about deeply knowing yourself, not necessarily what other people think of you, though that is helpful
0: um, because sometimes we have
2: blinders on, on, on our own unique
0: talents and gifts. Right. You have... Sometimes when somebody tells you what they think that you're very good at, it might take you off guard because you think, oh, really? I never thought I was very good at that. But the perception is that you're very good at that and that they admire you for it. Yeah, yeah. I
2: I did this with three of my best friends. Um, I had come up with my list, and then I asked them for feedback, and all three of them said that I was funny. And I had that nowhere on my list, and I don't— like. I don't know. It's I, like I had to open myself up to, well, three of my best friends identify me that way. I need to start paying attention. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I'm not like a stand-up comedian, but I actually have started paying attention to the fact that like, yeah, okay. I, I
0: yeah. can make people laugh. Oh, so, <laughs> I'm going to own that. Quick little clip there. Right. I can do
1: that. We appreciate our featured guest for joining the Find Your Niche podcast. Now, more career advice and stories from your host, Lori Cole.
0: In honor of Nicole's book about empowering women, I wanted to highlight a couple of jobs I found on iHire. Creative Expansions out of New York City is looking for a web editor and writer for their website, womenworking.com. This is a hybrid position in Manhattan, and their corporate mission is to empower women and girls around the world. Check out that website, womenworking.com. And how cool would it be to work for the United Nations? They're looking for a UN Women Data Analyst. This division of the UN works for the elimination of discrimination against women and girls around the world. Their mission is the achievement of equality between women and men as partners and beneficiaries of development, human rights, humanitarian action, peace, and security.
1: Is there something you need some guidance on in terms of your career? Email to laurie.coal at ihire.com. Thanks for listening.